Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Thank you for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier. We are calling this a radio podcast, a cool hybrid of talk radio and music. Real leaders, real talk, incredible stories. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier. My name's Sam Collier, and I am here right now with an innovator. He's an influencer. Um, he's a rapper to some. <laughs> he's a pastor. Um, I, I want to say this about him. He has probably impacted the church almost more than any person that I know. Over 300 million subscribers are now on his platform that he's created and has, has found it called Uversion. If you're a user of the Bible, I'm sure you know the app and we're here now with the founder. He's also a pastor here at Life Church and the innovation leader. Bobby Grinwald is here with me right now. How you doing? Man? It's great to be here with you, Sam. I'm doing good. Can I get a high five? Yeah, get... of course, man. <laughs> good. You look good, man. Uh, listen, we kick off this show every time with the song. Throw to one of your favorite songs right now. Right now, um, right now I'm probably listening worship-wise. Uh, our church has put out a new EP, so we have, there's three songs on it. The one's called Revive. Yeah. One's called uh, Once and for All, and the other's called Won the War. <laughs> and then uh, on my way in today, though, I was listening to some older stuff. I was listening to Why We Sing, Kirk Franklin. Whoa, whoa. I Shout was, out. for real. Yeah, this <laughs> this morning. And then, I well, love that. And then I went to lunch, and on the way back, I was actually listening to Fred Hammond, um, no, uh, no Weapon. No Weapon? Yeah. Oh, my God. So you can pick whatever, right. <laughs> whatever one of those you want to pick. I want to pick one. We'll be back. All right. All right. So in this I still longing For something that would truly satisfy You show me A brand new life with every step I'm taking More wonderful with every breath I'm breathing And nothing else compares to life in you
So I think it was London, right, that we were in, when we kind of saw each other. Yeah. And I felt like I met you for real for the first time. <laughs> I had seen you around, obviously. I'm a Life Church fan, uh, you know, over at North Point. We love you guys. Andy loves you. I love you. So I've seen you, but it feels like London was really that place where I felt like we kind of got the vibe a little bit more. Sure. And I think what I was amazed by the most was just your humility that, I mean, it was so many different people in the room and I don't know if everybody knew, maybe they knew. I mean, I guess it's hard not to know how much you've impacted the church globally um, through your innovation and through everything that you've done, but you were just humble and um, just like a regular person that was in there, but that God was using to do some incredible things. 10 year anniversary coming up for you version. Um, what is it, 1,200 languages that you guys are now translating the Bible in? Life Church, 29 campuses. I mean, you guys are killing it right now. Um, but we know that your journey didn't start here. We say around here all the time that when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. Sure. So we try to have people on the show that are living in their greater story. That's you. Take us from little Bobby <laughs> up to where you are now. Well, I uh, the the quick version of it is I was, um, I was I grew up in Illinois, yeah, and uh, I went to church with my family, but I wasn't following Jesus until just before I started high school. Wow! So there was a church camp that I went to, and I had to go to. <laughs> you just they and, made you, uh, so you yeah, <laughs> and uh, and at that church camp that was. That was just when it clicked. That wow. was when um, I'd made a, a decision. And it was a pretty radical transformation for me because mm. the people that knew me um, didn't know me as a follower of Christ. Mm. And when I came back to high school, it was like a, a different, a completely different me. Yeah. Um, priorities changed. Um, 
I did start a Christian rap group because <laughs> I was trying to Come on. I was trying to figure out how to reach my friends and that's what my friends, you know, we all listen to rap music and Wow. Um, how old were you with the rap group? I would have been uh well I was gonna be a freshman, so I don't know what it was probably I guess what what would I have been like 14, 14 years 14? old. Oh, oh yeah, 14 grade. years okay. old. Wow. Freshman in high school. Yeah, okay, okay. And, uh, and I did it for five years. So I was like a young white rapper. And back <laughs> you were before the, Eminem. <laughs> before Eminem. <laughs> yeah, he did a little better on on, on, on reaching as far as the, the, the amount of people he's reached. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But no, we um, basically, I just, all my priorities changed and it was all about Jesus. And, yeah. and um. I stopped playing sports, which I played every sport in wow. middle school, and I just said, you know, I'm going to focus on on the youth group. I'm going to focus on this ministry that mm-hmm. I was starting with rap music, mm-hmm. um, and just it was kind of one of those radical transformations. So I went on into college. Mm. Uh, I went to a Christian university, moved to Oklahoma. Wow. Um, my wife, who had been dating in high school, um, she chased after another guy to mm. Oklahoma. And I chased after her, which is how I ended up in Oklahoma. And you said I'm not giving up. No, no, <laughs> I'm a competitor, so there's not a chance I was going to lose that. So um, that's what brought me here, and kind of in a way that only God could orchestrate, because it doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. how I ended up in Oklahoma. Yeah. I when I got here, I felt like I was supposed to study business, mm. uh, even though I had a ministry at the time, and people I think, think presumed I was going to go into a, a pastoral kind of role. But I felt like I was supposed to go into business, mm-hmm. and um, and I thought I was going to do finance and like investment banking, and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what my degree is in is in finance. Wow! But God had another plan, another and plan. Uh, and basically led me into an entrepreneurial path. So uh, I had an opportunity to start a company. There's a lot kind of to that story, but basically I found myself with an investor, and I didn't even have an idea. He was willing to invest in me. And I had to come up with an idea, mm. and it was a tech idea. Uh, we started a, a web hosting company back in 1996. Web hosting? Before GoDaddy? It was before GoDaddy. <laughs> Absolutely before GoDaddy. And wow. so we were like probably the one of the first 20 web hosting companies in the world because it was early in the yeah. internet. Yeah. And, um, and I had what I felt like was a surprising success uh, in business. Like it wasn't... Uh, I didn't have a lot of expectations. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was going to be like. Mm-hmm. But we, we had our first company. We had uh, c- uh, clients in 33 countries in about a year and a half, and it grew really quick. Um, sold it. Started another company. It was the largest uh, online or largest professional wrestling website. Uh, <laughs> which is was it WWF or WWE? Well, WWF and WWE were the two wrestling organizations, and we were we had the largest like independent website that covered all of it. Wow, like it was like a stuff. media source, exactly. And wow. uh, we had writers, and we had a whole we had an online game. There's all kinds of stuff that went with it. <laughs> um, and I could there's a lot to explain and all that, but you know I, I, I took it and grew it. In 15 months, we sold it to a company that Goldman Sachs took public mm. in December of 1999. Mm which timing-wise was about as good as you could get before the crash and all that happened to Mm -hmm. the the dot-com bubble. And so I found myself pretty young. I mean, at that point, I would have been 23 years old. And um, I'd had two two business successes. uh, And and I thought that's what God made me to do. Like, I felt like that was a gifting that I had because it was just... I was, was created to do. And I was a believer, but I thought, man, maybe he's designed me to 
generate some kingdom resources and just be somebody that can kind of contribute to kingdom things. Yeah. Um, but God had another plan. Same kind of thing. I pretty much guessed it wrong. You know, I mean, yeah. everything I pretty much have predicted to happen, God had something different. <laughs> and uh, and I was, in, I kind of had already started attending Life Church. Our, we loved it. My wife and I had really gotten plugged in. We were serving. I was playing keyboard on the worship team. As what? Here. And uh, in my, and when I sold the company, an article came out in the newspaper about the sale of the company. And the executive pastor at the church, his name's Jerry Hurley, he came and said, isn't that the guy that plays keyboard on the worship team? <laughs> and they made the connection. And wow. so, so I went and uh, had lunch with him. And, and in that lunch, he asked me a question. He said, have you ever considered using these talents and experiences that you're having in business in the, in the context of being on staff at the church? Mm. I was like, no, I had not not really considered it. I, in fact, I kind of felt like I'm set up to kind of do more of this. That's sort of what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And he just challenged me. He just said, yeah, I, I really, we could really use someone Somebody like, like you, you, yeah, that has these skills and understands technology, and because I'd learned a lot about technology through those experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I said, well, I'd rather just volunteer. If you need some more help, let me just tell me what you need. Because I was afraid if it was my job, I might not, might not like right. it. You know, like it just, I was, now I, have to. I, I love my church yeah. and I was afraid I might not love it, you know, if it yeah, became my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said no, um, but said I would help. And over the course of a year, this is 2000 to 2001, uh, God just really uh, changed my heart about the church in a way. I love the church, but my passion for the church just eclipsed the passion that I had for business. So mm. It was just, it got so big. Wasn't that business went away in my head? It was just like this got so big that it became obvious to me that God had been uniquely preparing me, but without me knowing it, for a unique role, mm. you know, inside the church. So 2001, uh, I came on staff full time, wow. and um, and I didn't think it would actually last that long because I'd had a pattern of being in things not very long right. before we right. sold Sell it. it. Right. Yeah, but. Um, but no, instead, it was it was actually what God had been preparing me for. And I never could, I would have messed it all up if I knew the destination. Like I would have, if I knew where I was today, yeah. and I had an idea of that back when I was 20, I would have shortcutted the whole process. <laughs> but those unique experiences in business and with technology kind of gave me some things that I didn't even realize till years later that God's used to do the things that we do today. Wow. Um, so... You get saved. You kind of go away from the church, not the faith, but you're like, mm, I'm doing business. You're wildly successful at 23. You sell, you sell a couple companies. And then you get hired at a church, and then you create the largest Bible app in the world. How does that happen? How, how do you go from, from that to 300 million right. subscribers? So, well, I think before I answer the question, I mean, you mentioned... Uh, you mentioned humility earlier, and the truth is that it's extraordinarily humbling to be yeah. a part of something that God's doing. And so I don't, and I can't take mm. credit, you know, for what he's done. Mm -hmm. um, but I realize when you look back in hindsight, what I was saying earlier about the fact that I had these experiences blindly not even realizing that God was preparing me, giving me experiences and ideas that he was going to use later. Yeah. And that's basically what we discovered along the way. So 2006, which is about five years after I was on staff, there were several other things I was involved in at the church and, 
and responsibilities that I had, but I began to process, you know, what, what am I supposed to do with those business experiences and the pro wrestling stuff and the web hosting deal? I mean, I felt like God took me on the journey for a reason and I didn't want, know exactly what it was. And this vision began to emerge inside of me. Felt like, um, felt like God was saying, look, you know, what you're doing in the church and for the church and what we're doing as a church is important, but this, there's an opportunity, a moment in history that we're in that we could actually do things for the capital C church, mm. the bigger church as a ministry of our church yeah. inside the church. Yeah. Um, and, and we begin to dream about what those things might be, you know, what those, are the technologies that need to be created or they just things that need to be built or, or, you know, just the vision begin to emerge around it. And so we had several different things from, from church online to free resources and things like that. This is 2006 that we kind of launched a few things. Mm-hmm. And with that as the backdrop, I was in the O'Hare Airport in Chicago one day. And when I travel or when I'm moving, I, I kind of, am, that's a creative environiment for right. me, I think. And I have the time to think. Flowing. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got a different way they approach that. For me, that's definitely it. Right. And so in a long TSA security line in the airport in Chicago, it was October 2006. I'm thinking, I wonder if there's a way I could use technology to help me read the Bible more, more consistently. In spite of my passion for the church, in spite of uh, the transformation of my life, I still struggled to consistently engage in the Bible, but wanted to. And, And I know there's a lot of excuses, and I could make excuses, but just that was a reality for me. For a lot of people. And, and, I, and, I, and I know for a lot of people, absolutely. And so in the airport line, I was like, okay, could this be, you know, um, could this be uh, uh, one of those moments in time where if we could just leverage the technology in the right way, we could really help, help me engage, help others engage. So the idea for Uversion came right there in the security line at the airport in Chicago. And, uh, and, and originally the idea was for a website, not for an app on the smartphone. And, we launched the website in 2007, yeah. and it didn't work. It was actually it a failure. Work. Yeah. What do um, you mean it didn't work? You what I mean is it <laughs> technically worked. The concept worked that we did, but it didn't work to engage me in the Bible. Yeah, you're like, hey. I was using it because we made it, not, but not because, <laughs> not, I wanted it, to no, use it. not because I wanted to. And, uh, and so I realized that, that when we, we, we try things all the time, and when it fails, we just you know, are willing to stop and, and certain change directions. Yeah. So that's basically what we did. We decided in 2007, early 2008, we're going to shut it down. And in the process of shutting it down, in the process of evaluating why it didn't work, we thought, you know, one of the problems is that, you know, we're using our phones, at that time, Blackberries, all the time. And we're not using our computers as much anymore as we were. So I wonder if we just redesigned it to work on a phone, if we could just see it on a phone, if that would help. Uh, and so through that failure, God led us to this idea, which is as simple as it was, it worked. And sometimes it's the simplest things, you yeah. know, that, that work. Yeah. Apple announced right at that same time that they were making it possible to develop apps for the iPhone. And they're creating wow. something called an app store. Yeah. And we thought, man, I wonder if the Bible could be could among be. the first apps in the app store. So we moved quickly and um, submitted to Apple in June of uh, 2008, and then July 10th, the App Store launched, and the Bible app was actually in the very first group of apps the day the wow. App Store launched. Wow, cutting so, edge. Yeah, so we were, we were amazed Apple approved it, 
Um, but we had no idea like what to expect. And I would never have guessed it, but um, the first weekend we saw 83,000 people install the app. And for us, I mean, it, it blew our minds. I it mean, was different from the website. Yeah, it was different. It had a different result, and people were using it too. We could see from the data that people actually were opening it. It wasn't like just an app they installed and didn't and forgot about. Uh, so we, we like to move quickly. So when we saw that result that first weekend, it immediately turned into a full-time project for the church. Like it was not, we were kind of experimenting, trying things, and now it was like full-on, we've got a tiger by the tail type thing, and we need to, whatever resource we can put you know, behind it, put behind it. So the last several years, last 10 years actually, since that, that day has been this huge thing that God's done of bringing a coalition of people together partners, um, a diverse set of partners um, in every conceivable way. I mean, language diversity, um, theologic, you know, theologically diverse, uh, just all kind of cross-sections of the church globally have sort of come together and said, man, we can all get together around getting people to read and engage in God's Word. And we've been blessed with, um, you know, just a, a real willingness to, for people to sort of step up and want to be a part of this, you know, vision. Hundreds and hundreds of partners, you know, and it's gone from just a couple of languages to, as you mentioned, over 1,200 languages um, that we now have the Bible available for free um, through this app. And, and almost a third of a billion devices that have installed the app growing by four or five million per month. So... I could go on about the statistics and the data, but the reality of it is, is that God's done something we never expected mm. and continues to do something we never expected. And the one thing I think that's happened is our faith has really exploded for what's possible. Mm. Um, I wish I had the faith to believe we'd be where we are today back then. And I honestly <laughs> didn't. Um, but today, definitely had the faith to believe that so much more could happen. Wow. You're celebrating 10 years of that this year, what are you excited about with 10 years? What are you guys hoping to communicate around the success of this and the excitement and all of that? I mean, I, I hope what we communicate is that we feel like God's just getting started, you know, with <laughs> it. That, um, that we believe that this generation could become the most Bible-engaged generation in history. You know, something that was unthinkable 10 years ago. Meaning, people might have dreamed that could be, but reality check for most people was that this was a generation that was turning away from Scripture, and the data kind of pointed to that. But I felt like, you know, we could, it was just one of those moments in time, you know, where God, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think it's possible for it to happen. And mm -hmm. we see indications that if you can find a way to bring scripture into our everyday lives, help people connect with it in a way that's, that is really connected to them, um, that it works. And that people, the, I mean, the message and the truth and, and what it is actually helps people. It, it, it's meaningful to people. People are looking for answers all the time. When they download our app in the app store, they're, they're downloading it usually for a reason. You know, many people aren't just getting it because somebody told them to get it on a, or they're at church on a Sunday and they're getting, they're, cause they're, they're getting it because they're searching for an answer to, they've looked everywhere else yeah. and they're like, well, I might as well try this. You I know, might as well I'm, try God. I, I, exactly. <laughs> and so we know that. And so 
we're realizing that you no know, technology can start, what if we could begin to answer the, help people find those answers to those questions that they're asking inside of the app, inside the Bible. Mm. You know, that they're, they're depressed, they're, they're searching for hope um, where they feel hopeless, they have marriage issues, you know, relationship issues, whatever it is. Um, they're, they're searching for a reason and we're trying to help them connect actually, not just here's a Bible, figure it out, you know, but rather how do I kind of get down and understand what kind of truth, what, kind of, what does God have to say about this and how can I apply it to my life? So our vision for where it goes is to, to really get down to where we're building it in a way that's helping to connect people to those answers as fast as possible, even if they're using their voice to do it, like just ask a question, you know, or they're going in and they're, and they're, it's easy for them to kind of search for the things that they're really trying to get answers for. So I could go on more specifically, but our, our vision, our hope is that we actually see a generation that really does become more biblically engaged than ever before, um, that, that we leverage this moment in history to its maximum potential. Mm. And really believe that, that God can do, we already seen him do far more than we ever thought was possible. And even when we increase our faith and vision of what's possible, we just know he's going to exceed it. And that's sort of, sort of what we're believing for. Mm. So many tweetable statements that you've made. <laughs> um, you've been spending a lot of time with Instagram, Facebook, yeah. social media platforms. When you think about technology right now um, in the church, and you think about the intersection of technology in the church, what do you see happening? What should churches be thinking? What is happening with Instagram? I mean, what you, you, you kind of seem like the pot piper a little bit of kind of leading the way around how religion and Christianity collide with technology. What do you see there? You're giving me way too much credit because I'm, I'm, I'm far, I'm, I'm a student more than I'm a teacher when right. it all comes to these things. And whatever I'm teaching is probably just whatever I learned today. Yeah. Uh, so it's very, um, I really feel like, and very sincerely, like, you know, I, I don't feel like an expert at all. I feel like somebody that is, uh, is drawn to, to learn and discover. I think that when we started Church Online 10 years ago as well, the, the thought process back then was, you know, we need to be willing to take some risks on how we leverage these platforms and mediums. We may not have all the answers for what the implications are, the theological implications, what's the proper definition of church. I mean, I've had lots of debates. I'm not, I've really had any debates. I had a lot of people challenge or try to debate me on all those issues. And, and I just said, guys, I don't know the answer to those questions. But what I feel like we need to be doing is trying to, to discover them because if we're not busy trying, you know, someone else is using these platforms for other purposes. And we're going to be, as a church, we're going to sort of miss out on some things we could learn and discover through it. Well, today we have, um, just in our iteration of Church Online, there's thousands of churches that do Church Online today. But in our version, of it, we'll see a quarter of a million people every week from places like India and Indonesia and Pakistan. I mean, the United States isn't even our number one country for Church what? Online. And so it's extended the ability for our church to have impact globally uh, in places where having church is difficult to do or impossible to do in some cases, we're able to connect with a church community or build a church community in those environments by leveraging those platforms. So I use that as an example just to say, so today when you're looking at social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, which isn't dead in spite of what some people would say. I mean, <laughs> Facebook continues to be a, right. a very vibrant platform. Um, you know, I think churches have to be saying, okay, how do we 
use this tool to either extend the ministry of our church to the people that are in our church, or what are some creative ways we can use these tools and technologies to reach and extend the reach of our ministry outside the geographical footprint of our church. And I think a lot of churches are starting to do that. I mean, we're, I'm encouraged because we see, especially churches that are newer or just starting. I mean, almost every church I know that is a, a startup, you know, church planter type thing, they are definitely leveraging these platforms. In fact, many of them are forming their church by building influence, you know, on these platforms to start with. Um, but I, I feel like it's less about the specific answers. It's more about the posture that pastors and church leaders are taking towards new technologies. It's going to change. Whatever the medium is will change. The technology will change. The the um, What Instagram is today didn't exist 10 years ago. There's something different in its place. So it's more about the posture that church leaders and past- pastors should have towards it, you know, instead of being sort of in- inherently resistant, feeling like it's um, just, by, you know, like, somehow sacrilegious or or this is real and this is not real this is relationship driven this is not relationship driven all the kind of labels that we like to put on stuff yeah. it's like people need to take a step back and just say you know i don't want to be that guy or that girl that wakes up 10 years from now and says i was busy complaining about why these things weren't right or real or debating it while everybody else used them and did something with it and i could have reached a lot of people in the meantime if i'd have just been more willing and had a posture of of openness to like say like, how can we leverage these for good um, and technology by itself isn't inherently evil um, but it can be used for evil and is used for evil uh, but we have a chance to redeem it and use it for good and and if we just develop the right position and posture as church leaders i think that's the key not not the specific ideas the posture is more important than the specific ideas so it's not about fighting innovation but about joining it Absolutely. in a sense Absolutely. And, and we put these definitions around what we think church is or how it needs to be shaped. I mean, even the Bible is a good example. So, I mean, I've had people that talk to me about the format of the Bible, you know, and like, man, I just, I just like to, to have the pages because that's like a real encounter. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm really touched. And I, I get that there's a, there's a tactile connection to scripture, but I have to remind people the Bible didn't start as a book. Mm. Come on. We've only known it for as a book for we know it for as a book for hundreds of years. Yeah. But in the same way that some people think the King James version is the original version of the Bible, you know, which it's not right. obviously, <laughs> but they treat it as if it was. Um, you know, it's it's the same kind of concept. It's like we get familiar with what is, and sometimes it's been the way that it's been for hundreds of years. That when it changes, you know, we have this sense. Well, that's not real. Yeah. That's not, and I think the same thing applies to the church. We had a way we do church, a way we experience church that we act like has been the same way, and maybe it has been in some cases for decades or hundreds of years, but in many ways it's not even what the early church even reflected in the way they operated. Yeah, yeah we hold on to our Sacred buildings. House. We hold on to yeah. our buildings, which didn't exist, <laughs> you know, um, thousands of years ago. Exactly. We hold on to our format and all these things in such a way that says, um, this new thing, it's not real. It's not really church. And, and that's, I think, what we have to avoid or have to work hard as leaders not to fall in that trap. As we get ready to close, um, my last two questions are this. Uh, the first one is, uh, many people, may, maybe some do, but I, I find myself running into a lot of people that don't necessarily connect or, under, or even know that Pastor Craig 
is even connected to you version sure. and that it comes from there. I'd love to know your thoughts on what you and his relationship is like in working and innovating. And then would you close us out with just some words of inspiration for fellow innovators out there that are going, man, I've got some ideas in me that I think could take the church message or the message of the church to the next level. Maybe give them a couple inspirational words. Why don't we start with Pastor Craig? Um, so Pastor Craig is, he's an amazing leader. Um, we didn't know each other when I came to Life Church. A lot of people think we were old friends and um, we were. In fact, he would tell you that he wasn't really even in favor of hiring me originally. He didn't really, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't really see greatness in me. Um, and uh, and I think he said that publicly. If he hasn't, I'm saying that he said it because I know he thinks it, um, which is totally fine because I probably wouldn't have either, you know, at <laughs> yeah. the time. Yeah. And uh, but what he the way he leads that I think is unique because I've been around a lot of leaders, yeah. um, a lot of great leaders, amazing leaders, is that he is a very empowering leader. I've said it many times before, but I can't really. It's hard to really describe it. But I mean, I ran my companies before I was an entrepreneur so I was at a young age I was kind of used to not really having a boss like you know I was a boss we had a board we had investors but but for the most part like I kind of you know run the show and I had that type of personality or uh, I could easily um, find myself there but Craig has got himself surrounded with guys like myself who used to run significant things and and the only way that I've seen that work as long as it has and as well as it has is that he has this ability to delegate authority, not just responsibility, you know, for things. There it is. And tweet, tweet, tweet. Yeah. So he, he basically says, look, you know, I don't, I'm not asking you to come do things the way that I would do them, but I actually believe in you and the way God created you and the vision and thoughts he's given you that, I mean, if we're on the same page on vision and, we, and we're all in agreement on this, I completely trust you to take this area mm-hmm. and do it the way you would do it, mm-hmm. not just do it the way I would do it. Yeah. And when you do that as a leader, you just feel like you have the ability to make decisions, to to invest in your team in a way that's consistent with who I am. It's authentic to who I am. Um, Craig and I are very different in many ways on the yeah. personality-wise, but we have a lot that we um, also have in common. And over the years... Um, probably more through our differences than what we had in common. God just kind of knit us together in a relationship that's really unique. So today, we're best friends. We didn't start knowing each other, but over but over time, um, you know, I could honestly say he, he is one of my best friends, if not my my best friend outside of my wife. Um, and he, we have a, just a real close relationship that we've developed a high degree of trust, uh, high degree of equity. I he wants me to speak truth into his life, which I think every great leader needs people around them that are 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 capable of of telling them honest truth. You know the stuff that some people might be hesitant to say because out of respect or whatever else. It's out of respect, you know, that we both have the, the freedom and desire for each of us to speak really clearly and directly into each other's lives. Um, and I just have such respect for him as a leader. You're right. A lot of people don't know he's associated with Uversion. They're familiar with him as the pastor at Life Church, but a lot of people don't know Life Church is connected to Uversion, exactly. and that's part of ministry of our church. Um, but he deserves a, a ton of credit for creating an environment um, where ideas like Uversion can emerge. You know, it wasn't his idea. You know, and and a lot of pastors would have 
have trouble with something that wasn't their idea, you know, being able to, not just pastors, and just leaders in general would have trouble sometimes. If I, if I didn't create it, I have trouble empowering it, you know, and letting it, letting it grow, letting it happen. Um, and he's, so he's, anyway, he's, he's incredible. Now, your second question for an innovator or entrepreneur or somebody out there that's trying to think how they could take new ideas and apply it to ministry, um, you know, I, I, I get asked a lot to, about evaluating someone's idea, that pitching me on a, on a new concept. And I try to put myself in their shoes because I, I'm that guy too. You know, I'm a guy that has ideas and experience it. So I know what it feels like to have someone reject it. You know, I know what it feels like to have someone not get it. Um, so I try to give just some general advice. First of all, a lot of people feel like they need a lot of permission. To, 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 to do things and and in today's day and age you don't you don't need the permission or the blessing you know of of someone all the time to be able to get engaged in doing things innovatively in ministry I mean we can you can leverage a social media platform right now if you got an idea about how to reach people you can do that on your own you don't necessarily need to go and get permission from someone at least not in our context you certainly don't you know right. because we want people to feel like they're empowered to do it and so I kind of just encourage some people to get a little bit too hung up, you know, on that and not realizing that God can definitely equip you for ministry and you can do ministry without being a full-time pastor or full-time vocational ministry person. So that's one, because I know some people get kind of hung up on that. <laughs> the second thing is I feel like it's super important to have good feedback and honest people that are around you for the ideas that you have. I see a lot of people that pursue ideas because they've gotten so passionate about something that they don't really see straight when it comes to you know, if it's working, they're not honest with themselves. They have a, they don't have a good process, you know, for their ideas. They may have lots of ideas and they don't know which ones to execute or which ones were going to work. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's very important that we, I always develop a, a team of people that I can trust, that know me, that feel the freedom to speak in to an idea. And they're going to tell me the truth, <laughs> even if it hurts. Like, and even if, even if, sucks. even if they're <laughs> reading and I'm super excited about it, they're okay with, with, Perched in my bubble on it and saying, "Look, I know you're all excited, yeah, but have you thought about these three things or these problems with it?" Yeah. And I just I want to encourage people that look, what you want is you want an idea that's going to stand the test of all that, mm. an idea that 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 God's going to use it in spite of those obstacles because there's a path forward through those. And so if you if you have that level of confidence, you shouldn't have any fear about it being criticized, about there being sure. feedback on it. You should hold it really open-handed and just say, look, if this, is, if this is going to happen, if this is an idea that's going to change the world or going to impact this ministry or whatever, then I should be able to get some feedback and hear some things that I don't want to hear, you know, that I may not want to hear, because it's going to either make it better mm -hmm. or it's going to redirect me into a place where I can have a different idea or a better idea that's gonna, that God could use in a real way. If we don't want to waste time doing the wrong things. Yeah. And I think there's a quote by Peter Drucker that there's nothing worse than doing well at the wrong things. Ooh, you know, yes. like like doing the wrong things well, I guess yeah, is how it's yeah, worded. Like it. And I think that's basically the, the premise. Is like, I feel like if you've got innovative ideas, if there's a lot of people that do, or ideas that they want to pursue, get really good feedback from people that you trust. Um, make sure that you have fully evaluated, understand it, but also don't be afraid to, to start it, just do it, you know, like you don't have to hold back and wait for um, everybody's permission or, or wait for, 
you know, it to, for you to be ordained in order to try doing an idea that we can all engage in ministry using these tools and platforms that we have. Well, let me speak on behalf of all of the millions of people that have downloaded version, and it's impacted them. It's impacted me. All of the preachers that have used it to preach, um, all of the writers that have used it to write, all of the songwriters and the worship leaders that have used it to study. I, I just want to speak on behalf of them and say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice and for leaving the business world and coming over here because it has an enormous kingdom impact. And I, I just, you know, I, I want to say that to you live. Um, can you pray for us? Sure. I mean, first, before I do, yeah. thank you for uh, thank you for the kind words. Um, it it always means a lot to hear how things have impacted people, and um, and we we don't. Um, we don't take it lightly, and the phrase I use, we don't take it lightly, we don't hold it tightly, because it's not ours. It's something that God's done. We believe that, we know that, um, and there's no illusion to that. Um, but it um, is something we're still grateful that we get to be a part of and do. So, But thank you for the kind words, and we hope that God's going to do even more with over the years. So I'll be happy to pray. Father, we thank you. Um, we thank you for the opportunity that we get to just celebrate what you're doing. And we thank you for the privilege that we get to have it be something that you use us to do. And just like Paul said in Ephesians, we know that you, we know that you're able to do infinitely more than we could ask, that we could imagine. And you choose to do that through your power that's at work within us. You could do it on your own, but you actually choose to use us to do that. But not so that we can receive the glory, but so that you can receive the glory. And I pray right now for everybody that's watching or listening to this. Father, I just pray that if you've given them a vision or a dream, you know, that, that you will help encourage them, that you'll help them know that you provided every resource that they're going to need for that. They may not see it all right now in front of them, but if it's your vision, if it's something you put inside of them, you've already gone ahead of them and you're providing the resource that's going to be needed to be able to see that accomplished. But it's not going to come through their effort or through their might, Father, but it's going to come through your power at work within them. So we don't have to be confident in ourselves. We've got to just be confident in you working through us. And when you do, we're not going to take the glory for it. We're going to give it all to you because that's where it's deserved. And so we pray all this, give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier and the founder of Version, Bobby Grinwald. Remember this, when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. Thanks, man. Thank you. Breathe, breathe in your peace. Be the calm my fighting soul needs. When I'm weak, you are strong and you say that I am yours. And no place and the darkness cannot remain as you speak over me and you say that I am yours the battle rages but you
listening to a greater story with your host sam collier don't forget to subscribe on itunes google play soundcloud stitcher or any other podcast directory if you like what you hear leave a five-star review a greater story with your host sam collier distributed by american urban radio networks